In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Well, he has trouble with the snap. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. The doctor is now in. And a very good Monday to you. T.C. Martin Show, of course, streaming live wherever you may be. TCMartinShow.com. Ballpark Frank, he is ready. He's wearing his Bears gear. And wait till I tell you who I think I'm going to wager on tonight. Mm. Can I give me hands on some uh, midnight blue and orange? Frank, you got any spare? You got any spare bear gear in your closet that could be my size? Got an XL anywhere? Um, I might still have an XL from way back in the day someplace. <laughs> but I have probably, I'm guessing probably close to a dozen different bear shirts and jerseys and stuff. Yeah, wow. you, you do sport. You, know, you talk about me and all my different... Uh, gear and college gear and all that stuff. You have a plethora of, of Bears gear. Well, yeah, but but Love I don't it. but I don't go every team under the sun. I stay loyal to a couple specific clubs. Mm. That that's that's the difference, my friend. And, and your point is, I mean, uh, my 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 point is, I'm not uh, Mr. Bandwagon. Oh, Notre Dame won a game. Wait, I won in this one. Bandwagon. Oh, I'll, I'll jump on this one today. We I'll have just, been through this before. Uh, this is not bandwagon. Or again, you know where I stand with that. I am. There's no bandwagoning with me. You wore the Notre Dame last week because yes. they won. Because I, why do I have, what do I have in my closet more than anybody else? I have more Notre Dame gear because I've been a Notre Dame fan for practically all my life. Okay. And if, as you know, I've been to that campus numerous dozens and dozens of times. And I, I do like the Irish. There's no question. And I know you like the Irish, yes. but. Sir, and I hate to throw you out here live on the air here to open the show. Okay, then don't. But, but then don't la- do it. But last week, you told me flat out that you had something else on, and you went, oh, wait a second, Notre Dame. I, and you literally changed your outfit to put it on last week. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, because Steve Berline was coming on the show yeah. as well. There so, you go. So, so henceforth, nice, huh? henceforth, yeah. then you changed it. And yeah. what did you yeah. do a couple weeks ago at the Cosmopolitan? Yeah. You wore a USC. Yes. And it fired up double B, and now you're getting a UCLA shirt for it. You have alternative motives for when you're doing stuff like that. No, it's like not that. alternative motives. I can't help it that people like to uh, give me gear. Now, my rule is, and I'll, I've said it to you for years. You got him to know, give you gear by the, wearing the enemy. I Did I ask him for a, a UCLA gear? You knew it was going to happen, or you <laughs> had a pretty good idea. Uh, for the record, again, so we're straight, okay? I am... A college fanatic. You are a baseball card fanatic. You 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 do all this stuff. With me, when I like a university, I want to get that jersey. But oh, not a jersey, but a shirt, a sweatshirt, t-shirt. But here's the deal. I'll go to a campus, okay, when I'm vacationing, go to a town, and if I semi like that school, it doesn't even have to be semi, I will get that. That's just my thing. Okay? Basically, if you're at the school, you'll get I'm it. I'm at the school. For example, I go to Washington, D.C. How do I feel about Maryland? Eh, not so much. I like Georgetown. So I make a trip to Georgetown. I love the history. I love the campus. I'm going to get a Georgetown shirt. Plain and simple. Uh, I went to the Naval Academy. I always kind of had a thing for the Navy. It's, let me go down in the field. Let me get a shirt or something. Okay, fine. 
Uh, I've never been to Columbus, Ohio, so I didn't get an Ohio State shirt. However, a buddy of mine goes there, say if it's you, and I'll say, hey, will you pick me up an Ohio State shirt? And you'd probably say no, but uh, Brian Benowitz, Oklahoma. I'm going to go see Oklahoma UCLA. Double B, will you stop and get me an Oklahoma shirt? Boom, I got an Oklahoma shirt. Uh, UCLA, USC. So if I'm on a campus or I know someone who's going to a campus, I ask them to pick me up a shirt. Is that wrong? My sister, she used to teach at Columbia University. She gives me a Christmas present, gives me the Columbia. See you later, which I really never understood, but I guess that's a thing back in New York at Columbia. So, uh, yeah, I have a plethora of college shirts under that realm and that umbrella. How hard is that to understand? And what is wrong with that? I didn't say it's hard to understand. I'm just saying that you jump to every single team that there is. Okay. Now, and, and and sometimes when there is a success, I notice you wear them. Yes. Like, you know, yes. I, I wear my bear stuff win or lose. That's the only team you have. No, I, I have the Buckeyes. I oh, have yeah. the Bears. I have the Blackhawks. <laughs> right. For some reason, all these teams with bees seem yeah. to just <laughs> surround me all the time. But um, They're not all the killer bees, though, either, <laughs> as well. But, no, I, I, I didn't necessarily say there was anything wrong with it, but no. it is something that you tend to do all the time. Yeah, it's, and, and maybe see you later at Columbia means, okay, well, on the athletic field, you're going to beat us, but we'll see you later when you're looking for a job. <laughs> <laughs> Could be, too. <laughs> wow. Yes. Because they're uh, probably going to be your CEO or something. Yeah. I, I like my closet, and I used to have a UCLA shirt, but it went to the mothballs because it's been probably two decades, and Double B says, hey, I'm going to bring you one. So you have enough shirts for all the skeletons in your closet? is what you're telling me exactly and and again but as we're talking my eyes go to the other side of the glass here and i see numchuck wearing a washington football team jersey i don't understand that one what is that all about well i i don't understand it from the standpoint of i thought he was a chicago guy and kind of a bears fan and he's washington wearing washington on the night that the bears are playing and washington lost to the lions yesterday well see now i don't mind that part of it because it shows that it is it yeah. Well, I, could you jump on a losing bandwagon? Wow. <laughs> Probably yeah. more room. But I have worn my Notre Dame shirt at times where they got drilled before. So let's let's remember that. I, I've done that as well, too. But, yeah, the timing was good last week. They're coming off the victory against Clemson. And that was a good time to wear the shirt. What's wrong with that? It's just that you change the clothes, and I see it, it, you're always in different shirts. And I, That's again, my thing, though. I didn't That's my say thing. there was anything necessarily wrong with it. I just mentioned that it's something you do. I got burgundy on today. Can I get a big A here for Alabama? Your burgundy kind of matches Nunchuck's Washington shirt. Yeah, that's true. We got the memo today, didn't we? Very nice. <laughs> so, so, so you're both supporting the team that lost to yeah. the Lions. I don't know this guy. I don't understand because he's this guy is like the king of eBay or Amazon or whatever. He's always buying these shirts. He's buying these things. He's he's buying my old wrestling videos from some schlep that's pirated a, a bunch of my old wrestling videos, and then he's putting money in that guy's pocket when he could just come to me and I could probably you know give give him a thing of the uh you know a copy of the master for free but see, this is what this guy does he's got he's got an addiction to buying shirts and videos and magazines of it's one of the first times i've seen one who doesn't have a band shirt on yeah there you go there's another one exactly (laughs) unless there's a washington football team band too there there might be i don't know (laughs) i don't know i mean they don't have a name for their football team maybe they have a band i have no idea So thank you for attempting to throw me under the bus during this opening segment of, of a monday afternoon quarterback edition of the show i appreciate that yeah, I don't know where we got with this. But anyway, I it all started because I want to get on the Bears tonight. I'm going to root for your Bears tonight. That's how it all started. I'm trying to show some camaraderie with you. And what do you do? Like our man Armando says, you're, you're, you're being mean to me again. 
Would, would you like some cheese with that wine there, sir? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very little. There you go. You a big wine connoisseur, yeah. too? Uh, I'm, I'm a wine connoisseur. <laughs> yes, I am. Yeah, I have. Uh, I never was a wine connoisseur. I've kind of started to enjoy wine a little bit, though. Yeah. There you go. But that's another story for another time. Anyway, uh, all right. So today we have a huge show on tap today. Uh, we will visit with Matthew Holt a little bit later on this hour as we start breaking down uh, what happened at the betting window yesterday. The NFL, college football, they weren't a, there weren't a whole lot of meaningful college football games. We'll dive into that, but uh, NFL there certainly were. Uh, we'll recap the Raiders' victory also this segment as well, so hang tight for that. Next hour, we're really going to dive into the boxing controversy. And if you're a casual boxing fan, you may not have been aware uh, what transpired Saturday night. And it was... Uh, the Terrence Crawford Kell Brook fight uh, was the main event, and it was happening in the bubble at the MGM in the convention center. So, uh, of course, that was nationally broadcast or worldwide broadcast on ESPN. And everything happened pretty much the way we talked about that Terrence Crawford would take care of business with Kell Brook, and he did with a fourth round TKO knockout. But where the controversy came in was on the co main event on the undercard that preceded the Crawford Brook fight. And that was with Joshua Franco and Andrew Maloney. Now, a lot of people may not be aware of what happened. A lot of people may not be aware of of that fight taking place. But if you're a boxing fan, you realize that this is a rematch from a fight back in June, which was on ESPN and at the MGM, part of that bubble uh, in the summertime. It was such a good fight, a narrow win by Franco, that they threw a mandatory rematch. And these guys are flyweights. Super flyweights, uh, to be exact. So uh, the, the punches always flow in. I know a lot of people love the, the lighter weights. And uh, in this fight, there was controversy with the referee, Russell Mora, who basically stopped the fight after the second round after Franco was getting pummeled with many, many punches. But uh, the fight was stopped due to excessive headbutts or an accidental headbutt. And... I don't know about you, Frank. I think you were you were watching it as well, too. I'll, I'll let you speak on this here in a minute for, after I set the stage. But the controversy ensued because there was replay that came into play. Now, the Nevada State Athletic Commission instituted replay for boxing last year. They thought, okay, this is a pretty good thing here. And this past September, they went full bore, full-fledged, and uh, are now using it like the NFL. And we thought this would be a good thing. But we're going to really dive into this you know, next hour. But uh, the controversy ensued when it took 26 minutes to go over the video replay and they would not overturn Russell Mora's decision that this was caused by accidental headbutt when a lot of the replays, really, it was hard to see that to the naked eye. And it took 26 minutes to basically with uh, uphold Russell Mora's decision. Bob Bennett, the executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, who's been on this program before. Bob does not do a lot of media, but he's been gracious enough uh, to come on the past. He is coming on today in an exclusive interview that that he's doing with us. Uh, I am privy to have, uh, I guess, exclusive access, I guess, according to Bob and the Athletic Commission, that he wanted us to be totally prepared for this interview today to show me the where the headbutts occurred. I have detail frame by frame uh, with explanations 
that uh, will be submitted, I guess, to national media after our interview today. So I feel, uh, you know, very privileged uh, about that. And I feel privileged that Bob Bennett, who is a good friend, is coming on the program today. In fairness, uh, Bob Arum, who's top-ranked boxing, their card, uh, you know, was Saturday night. And Bob Arum's fighter in, the, in this particular match uh, was Maloney, who is the one that many people say that got screwed in this. Bob Bennett and Bob Arum had words with each other. Uh, as Bob Arum was very irate about this and uh, did extend the invitation for Bob Arum to come on the show. As you know, Bob, another good friend, has been on this program many, many times and um, had him on many times during the pandemic. Recently talked to him after the Lomachenko you know, fight um, last week, two weeks ago, I should say. So um, not sure if Bob Arum is going to come on today because he actually was meeting with the Maloney's as we started to, to come on the air here today. So... Uh, the purpose of these interviews are not to be a he said, she said. It's not the purpose of trying to be some investigative reporter. It's trying to educate everyone who is watching that fight, or even if you didn't watch that fight and you heard about this, to get an explanation on how replays being used by the Nevada State Athletic Commission and what happened behind the decision of this fight, because it is very, very controversial what took place Saturday night. Well, yeah, it's not only controversial. I mean, I, I was watching the fight. I was channel surfing between that and a bunch of football games, and I happened to catch it. And you mentioned the replay. It took like 26 minutes, basically almost half an hour. Uh, they watched the fight. I think they watched the entire fight two or three times. Correct. They kept on slowing everything down. Um, the announcers ringside were watching it as well, saying, well, we've already seen this. We saw the first round, I think, three times, including in slow-mo and different things. Maloney was throwing that jab out like a piston in a car or something. I think he threw 50 jabs in the first round alone. He was absolutely hammering Franco's face with it, just peppering him time after time after time. They showed one clear-cut jab, which the ringside announcers, and I would say that I would tend to agree with them, say that that's the one that caused the eye swelling and the damage. Now, I guess the referee is saying that it was headbutts before that led up to that and maybe made it that much worse. Um, I thought it was an absolute travesty. I commend Nevada for having the foresight to put in replay because if it happens any other place, as much as we don't like this decision, it wouldn't even be reviewable. But if you're going to have replay and then use it and it doesn't get the result or the right result afterwards, because what do we keep on saying? doesn't matter how long it takes as long as they get the right result. From what I saw, the result was wrong. Maloney got ripped off. He came over here, and now he's got to go back to Australia, still without the championship, and no guarantee that he gets a third fight. I mean, if I'm Franco, I'm certainly not chomping at the bit to get back in there with him because he just destroyed he you. Did. The, yep. the, thing that, the best thing that happened to you was that eye swelling up, so you kept your belt, again, in my opinion. Hmm. Um, I'd be interested to see because when they showed the replay and they said they're saying this is the point that it happened at, the head but that they're claiming at that particular point of the fight was on the other side of the head. It wasn't on the eye that got swollen shut. So I am curious to see what they're trying to say caused it because you can't close the left eye when you're on the right side of the face. So those replays that you're referring to, ESPN kept showing back and forth. And like I mentioned, I, I do have the, the exclusive footage here in an email that I got from Bob Bennett and the Athletic Commission earlier today. And I will say they did a very good job of breaking this down to clear up any controversy. But And that was the first thing I looked at, and I told Bob Bennett this morning that looking at the replays in the frame-by-frame, frame, which I have here and I'll show you, uh, it is definitely 
the you can see where the clash of heads happened above the right eye. Now, did it happen immediately? The swelling? No, it didn't. It was exasperated, okay, and that was a word that, you know, Robert Byrd used, Bob Bennett's used, and, and the announcers were using as well, too, that it didn't immediately close the eye. So that's, I guess, the, the questionable part because we could say that there were those 50 jabs and that did the damage. There's no question that did the damage. But I think what the athletic commission is, and I'll let Bob Bennett speak for himself, but the initial cause was the accidental headbutt and then the repeated jabs closed the eyes, uh, closed that right eye ultimately where they had to actually stop the fight. They brought in the ring doctor at the end of round two and said, this fight cannot continue. And then Russell Moore's decision, the referee, said, well, it was caused by the accidental headbutt. So my question is, and again, I, I didn't see the beginning of the fight because I was doing you know other things because it was like a co-main. And then I had to get myself caught up on everything. And like you, watching the replay over and over, I don't recall if Russell Moore just said, hey, stop the action and you make a note of it. This is an accidental headbutt at this point in time. And I don't believe that happened. That didn't happen. Okay. And I just want to be clear. And, and again, because, I saw yeah. the first round three times. There if you it, go. If right. it did, it's amazing that so, I would have forgotten that it happened three right. different so times. So that's where that controversy comes from. But, uh, you know, looking at the still shots in the video and the frame by frame where uh, Austin Salinas with the Athletic Commission did a fantastic job of putting this together, we can see that now. But I don't think the ESPN cameras caught that. And we, we heard Joe Tessitore and Tim Bradley. You know, we, we heard those guys and they and Andre Ward. Most of that time, the 26 minutes, they were complaining that it was taking 26 minutes. Well, yeah, they, so. were, they were complaining about that. And I will say this, too. They also talked to Frankel's corner and his trainer, and they basically said they're trying to steal it from us because yeah. it's a no contest. So I get that. The one thing that I am curious, and maybe Bob can shed some light on this one. We have him on as well. Because it was under, what was it, four rounds or four and a half rounds, that's why it was a no contest. Yeah, it has to go past four rounds. So if it would have gone to five rounds, would it still have been, would there have been a decision? No, would it, it goes still to the have gone way back? It goes to the scorecards. Okay, so it goes yeah. to the scorecards then. Right. So if Maloney kept on pummeling him like that mm-hmm. and was winning every round because he couldn't see if the eye wasn't completely closed, you're telling me that maybe the thing that abs- that actually came back to haunt him was to close the eye so quickly? If he wouldn't have attacked it right away and letting it go five rounds and then started attacking it, he might have got a victory. But because he did it too soon and it didn't go the the minimum rounds that it has to, that's what made it a no contest? Yeah. Because that's kind of crazy, too. Because if you're telling me the headbutt caused it in the first round or or at whatever point they say it caused it, and then and he and Maloney said afterwards, I saw the eye swelling up, so I attacked it. So you're telling me that if he would have then avoided attacking it and going, okay, just another round of going, then I'm really gonna then then I'm gonna let it loose, then I'm gonna let all hell break loose on that eye. That's kind of crazy to me too. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, a fighter's not thinking that he wants to, you know, take the guy out. But like, what and, if his yeah. corner said, "Don't go after the eye right now"? You know what he should have done? Should have knocked him out in the first or second round. Then, then it's then it's then it's done. You know, plain and simple, he it gets knocked out. But again, until the ref was, looked him, up, oh wait, he's laying there, but his eyes closed. He yeah. probably can see that punch. Okay, <laughs> it's up. No yeah. contest. And you know, so there's a lot to uncover here, a lot of layers, and we will dive into all that. So Bob Bennett will join us next hour as we will go into detail. And we already went into quite a bit of detail, but uh, it's because it's one of the most controversial things that's happening in the world of sports, and it happened on Saturday night. Was this and, the first uh, replay that they've done in a fight? Because I know they just made that 
the, the, so, the rules recently. So this is not the first time they've used it. Okay, It was implemented last year, and they've used it sparingly, but uh, no other states adopted it. Right. But, of course, you know, the way, as we know, with boxing uh, and even UFC, that everything that happens here in, in Nevada is kind of the law. Okay, this is where everything kind of, you know, states and starts. And if you can't get a boxing license in, in Nevada, you can try elsewhere. You know, if you're a fighter, if you're a corner man, you're a trainer, that sort of thing. So Nevada's being the first to instill this. So going back to this past September, they put it forth and said, okay, now we're going to use it basically for every fight. So the, really, this was the first major fight that replay really came into play. They have With a used belt it. involved and everything exactly, else. Exactly. So that's why it's under a lot of scrutiny because I think you have to commend the Athletic Commission for doing this because how many times have we seen controversy in the sport of boxing and we always say, well, I wish we had replay. And the reason why replay's there is for to, you know, go back and look at like uh, a clash of heads or low blows, low blows and those sort of things. It's like, okay, can we go back and see that? And then they could correct the problem. But the problem with this is, and I'm not going to point blame on, on Bob Bennett or anything. If I'm going to point any blame, it is probably with the referee in Russell Mora who wasn't definitive by, because we've seen this before. And, you, and as you know, we've had so many of the great referees on this program. And the bottom line is, if they see something, they call a halt to the bout, and they make a note with the judges and says, accidental headbutt, 123, you know, mark the time of this round, and then it goes down. Now, if it goes past four rounds, that's off the table. Right. But this is why they do that. I didn't see it. You didn't see it. Well, ask Bob Bennett, you know, what transpired with his conversations with Russell Moore, the referee, and himself. I think that's where the problem lies here. I want to throw this in, too, because you mentioned UFC. A little bit of controversy in the in the main event on the UFC card this weekend as well. Although uh, Dos Anjos won the fight convincingly, he did win it in split decision. 50-45 on two judges' scorecards, and the other judge had it going for Felder. Uh, that other judge now under a lot of scrutiny because they're wondering what the heck he was looking at. You might remember Felder was a guy. He was actually supposed to do the commentary cage side for that fight. Uh, the fighter dropped out. So Felder stuck, stepped up, and he got in there. He gave a game effort, but Dos Anjos clearly won the fight. And now everybody's saying, how could two judges have it 50-45, winning every round, and the other judge had it not only closer, but literally the other way? How could a wipeout, a shutout, be a split decision? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, so back to the this fight. Uh, just got a, a, a text back. And I said, you know, we were uh, trying to get Bob Arum to, to come on today. And we know Bob very, uh, very open and has uh, been very great with us. Uh, he prefers not to come on today. He's official, uh, filing an official protest. He said he'd prefer to come on uh, after he files the protest. And uh, basically, he does not want to get in a, uh, to use his quote, a pissing match with, with Bob Bennett today. And again, these guys have worked very, very closely in the past. Uh, the last two fights have been controversial. This fight that happened Saturday night at the MGM, and then a few weeks back, you know, four weeks ago when we were when the Lomachenko fight uh, happened as well too. Uh, there was some controversy with the scoring, and Bob came on and talked to us, you know, after that fight, and said how upset he was with the judging and the scoring, and all that falls under the umbrella of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Yeah, and, and you know, as much as it really doesn't matter that much, but the other thing that 
nobody's really talking about is it kind of wakes from it takes away from Aram and the celebration for winning the main event and how good the biggest fighter on the mm-hmm. card was because he has the Maloney thing in the background. I I can't remember the last time that I saw Bob after a big fight like that, and he was certainly pumping up Crawford and saying what a great fighter he was and how he can take on Spence or anybody else right. out there and he can win. But you could still tell that there wasn't the excitement and the exuberance because he realized that I should be celebrating right now two belt holders right now, and this should be a mass celebration right. tonight. Instead, as much as I'm impressed with the guy that was my main event, my co-main event guy, in his opinion, and in mine as well, just kind of got screwed here, and so the celebration is taken away because he knew that today he was going to have to be doing these filings and other things like that. So it really kind of took away from the entire card when you look at it in its entirety. Yeah, no, absolutely agree. And I, I told him that, too, that I want to talk about Crawford because I, that was my main thing, talking to Bob Arum. Now, Bob Bennett, we're going to talk about the controversy of, of again, the Comey event. But with Bob, I first and foremost wanted to talk about Crawford and his comments after that fight. Like you mentioned, he went on ESPN and said, he goes, hey, uh, you know, Earl Spence doesn't want to fight him. And this is part of the problem in the welterweight division that we have talked about before. We have Sean Porter on, who is right in the thick of that welterweight division. You know, one of those you know, former belt holders who's dying to get back in again. He's lost that very close controversial decision to Earl Spence at the Staples Center last year. And Spence is getting ready to fight Garcia. And now Crawford, like we've talked about, is basically a guy without any opponents because all of those other welterweights are under the PBC umbrella. And because there is the politics of boxing, which we've talked to Bob on this program before about that, uh, he wants to fight Crawford. Crawford wants to fight Spence, but he's afraid that Spence doesn't want to fight him or anyone of that PBC umbrella does not want to fight Crawford. And as we could see now, there was always the talk, Lomachenko, best pound for pound. Now he gets beat. Crawford, best pound for pound, and I think it's really probably hard to argue that Terrence Crawford is not the best pound for pound fighter in the world, and he displayed that again on Saturday night. Yeah, and again, now some people might say that he was fighting a washed-up fighter, a guy that was over the hill who's had some problems, uh, had some surgery on his eye and different things like that too. But yeah, and of course, then the one name that everybody always mentions is Pacquiao because why wouldn't you mention Pacquiao? A lot of people think he's over the hill a little bit, and if you're looking for a payday, Pacquiao makes sense for anybody out there. Yeah, he does. But again, the reason why Pacquiao Crawford hasn't happened because of the money. Yeah, and Talk fans. About the port. Yeah, yeah. If you exactly. can't have fans, right. you can't fight Pacquiao. Exactly. Be- because the, he's Manny Pacquiao is not fighting in an empty arena without that guaranteed gate. Exactly. Exactly. And again, you know, without you know, the purses are not the same. We've talked about that with with Bob and Sean and everybody else we've had on the program. They the the purses are not the same under these COVID restrictions with no fans and no live gate. So you have to maximize. That's why the Wilder Fury fight is will continue to get postponed. So yeah. So uh, yes, a lot of boxing uh, on the table. You know, today next hour we'll talk to Bob Bennett and get explanation with that. But when we come back, we got to get into some football. We got to talk about the Raiders' victory yesterday. They destroy the Denver Broncos, thirty-seven to twelve. Tom Brady looks like he's back, and the Buccaneers are back. Good spot there last week we talked about. That showed up. And then the probably the game of the day, the Cardinals and the Bills. We're going to hit all that with our guest Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity when we come back. It is a manic Monday, a Monday afternoon quarterback edition. Ballpark Frank in the house. Yours truly, T.C. Martin right here. The T.C. Martin Show. There's only one thing we know for sure. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. The Dr. T.C. Martin. He was a most ripping victory by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. The doctor is now in. 
plenty of NFL to talk about. We'll hit some college as well, too. And we'll bring in our good friend Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity to break it all down. Matt, what's going on, my man? T.C., how we doing? Boy, did the New England Patriots bail out the books last night. And do do tell us about that, man, uh, because it seemed like it was a – a really a great week, I guess, you know, for, I guess, what, for the public up until that point? Because I know the public was all over the uh, Baltimore Ravens lane seven last night. Yeah, and I don't want to say that it was a great week. It was, an acu- it was a scary accumulator week. It was one of those weeks where all the teasers got home and all the money line parlays and favor parlays. I mean, all the popular teaser teams like Pittsburgh and, and uh, Green Bay gets, I mean, uh, not Green Bay, the Green Bay under I know was a real popular one, but the New York Giants were a really popular teaser. The New Orleans Saints ended up covering Miami Dolphins. Arizona comes back, so both sides of that teaser get home. Here, the L.A. Raiders, I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders for all the Nevada books, and there were just so many parlays and teasers leading up to Baltimore that if Baltimore had won last night, basically that also means they would have covered the teaser because they were a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. So basically a Baltimore win gets all those teasers and all those parlays home. New England really bailed out the books last night. Yeah, they did. And, and speaking of that, Matt, what do you, which game do you think, if you had pinpoint maybe one game that you felt that the, the public was very, very heavy on? I think Pittsburgh was one of them. Um, Cleveland. Cleveland was a huge run late, and it depends when you got Cleveland, whether you won, push, or lost. But Cleveland was a big one. Pittsburgh was a real big one. Uh, and the New Orleans Saints were another one that was really big because everyone was so down on San Fran after all the injuries. New Orleans coming off of the second whipping of Tampa this year were pretty hot. Um, I think those are the ones that really did it for the books, Pittsburgh and the Saints. And you mentioned the Packers earlier. Packers a 13.5-point favor. I think even closed at 14, and a lot of people were on – the Packers for a teaser, and they could not get home with that. They were life and death to beat the struggling Jacksonville Jaguars, who ended up losing. But, yeah, and, you know, now the Jaguars have lost eight in a row with a rookie quarterback from Oregon State. I mean, the Pack, that was downright embarrassing for Packer fans. Yeah, that was, that was the game, the under in that game. And I know I said Green Bay earlier, and I meant the Green Bay under. It opened right. 54 and a half, closed 47. Seven and a half point move toward that under. I mean, people couldn't get down on that under fast enough. All right, Matt, let's go through uh, some of these games here, and we'll let you hang with us as we uh, got some audio from the game of the day yesterday. And that obviously was the Cardinals defeating the Buffalo Bills 32 to 30. This is a game that went back and forth, and Buffalo was celebrating under a minute to go like they had this game, looking at Josh Allen, looking at that Buffalo bench. And for me, it's like, here's a team that's uh, traveling cross-country again, and uh, I don't know if they're going to have some problem with with the Cardinals, but Josh Allen looked pretty much fantastic. Looked like they were going to escape with a victory. But then with the Cardinals having the ball there down at the end, I'm going like, "Mm, does Kyler Murray have enough for this? And then they got into Hail Mary mode down 30 to 26, 11 seconds to go. The Cardinals have one shot and one shot only to win this game, and this is what happened. Shotgun. Murray out of the pocket. Seven seconds. 
Six seconds. Murray heaves it downfield. It is. Oh, it's caught. It is caught. DeAndre Hopkins. Miraculous. It's Murray magic. Uh, Murray magic. It definitely it was, Matt. How crazy was that? To uh, to see this happen, a 43-yard uh, touchdown strike, Hail Mary variety. This thing, you could practice that thing probably 10 times, and it probably wouldn't even come through and practice one time. But when you have DeAndre Hopkins at the other end, uh, amazing. So my question to, to you guys is this. More credit to Murray or more credit to Hopkins? Uh, both of them an amazing play. More more credit to the coach, though, interesting. I'm not sure that any uh, he made any new fans this week, especially from betters, as they kneel the ball instead of kicking the extra point and end up winning a game by two, where they were either a two- or three-point favorite, depending on when, whether you, when you bet it. A lot of mad Arizona backers yesterday after Arizona kneels the ball on the extra point. You know, and I've seen this happen before, and I don't get it. I mean, what are they really fearful of? I mean, you kick the extra point, make it three, because the way the NFL rules state, you know, you have to well, first of all, they had to kick off anyway because there was still, what, one second, two seconds left on the clock, so you had to do it. So, I don't understand why you know, are they, they're fearful it's going to get returned back, go the other way for... It's possible it could get yeah. blocked and returned. That's, I mean, it's a super long shot, but yeah. if you kneel, then you, t- you even take out that true. incredibly slim shot. Yeah, there you go. All right, and and you know I know they're calling it Murray Magic, but let's Hopkins is the one that made the play. Let's give Hopkins. You the know, credit. I mean Eli Manning gets the credit for the great passes he made in his career. It was the catches on the other side. Yeah. Hopkins went up with two guys all over him and another one barreling in on him, and goes up and not only gets his hands on the ball but secures the catch, and then afterwards basically says, "Yeah, it's kind of just what I do." Yeah. <laughs> all right, so that is the CBS. Let's listen to the Arizona Cardinals call from this play. 25 yards downfield. Murray back to throw. Flushed out. Rolling left in trouble. Slips a tackle. Got to launch it. He does. Left side. Into the end zone. Jump ball. And it is. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh, my goodness. It's caught. DeAndre Hopkins caught it. He caught it for a touchdown with one second left. I can't believe it. You've got to be joking me. Hopkins reaches up with three defenders around him and pulls it in, and the Cardinals lead it 32-30 to with a second left. You can't cover Duke. You're not going to be able to cover him. Throw the ball up. That's what Kyler Murray did. He extended the play with his legs and just chucked that thing up into the air. Into the desert sky, baby. And D-Hop brought it down. Touchdown. He went full wrestler mode on us. What's up with that? I was waiting for the, oh, brother. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He went a little subdued. Like, he's, I I love it when, no, I don't love it. But when when announcers, like, ask a question. Oh, did he catch it? Why are you asking us if he caught it? You're you're calling the play-by-play. And then the color commentator went, uh, he went caveman on us, whatever. But well, anyway. He had a little bit of time to think about what he was going to say right. because the original announcement took place. The, the one thing that I also thought was he said, are, are you joking me? I think technically it should be, are you kidding me? But right. I understand right. it's, 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 it's caught in the moment. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So you, you hear that. Uh, now here's the Buffalo Bills call. 
Cardinals, first down at the 43, the snap. Murray, pressured, Bills rush four. Murray's in trouble, gets away from it, rolls to his left, fires it downfield, puts it up for grabs, and it is caught. Caught, caught for a touchdown. Unbelievable. Caught by DeAndre Hopkins, surrounded by a couple of Bills defenders. He went up and brought it down. Unbelievable. Incredible. One second left on the clock. Yeah, Bills lose. They got beat by DeAndre Hopkins making a phenomenal play, and that's the kind of play he can make. He's got the best hands in football. He's a great athlete. He's got tremendous ball skills. There were three guys around him, and the Bills couldn't stop him. There it is. A little bit different for, with the Buffalo Bills call. I, I like the original caught. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like caught, and then he comes out and goes, Bills lose. I mean, just – yeah. and I've been in that situation where you're doing play-by-play – and then the the opponent who you're covering, and you have to treat it, I think, a little bit more. I don't want to say professional, but you don't have to be this doldrums like this. I mean, if it's a great play, you got to call it as a great play. You don't have to be as enthusiastic as you would for the home team winning, you know, like the Cardinals guy was. But I think you have to be well, a little I, bit more I professional. Thought the, I thought the announcer was professional. It was the color guy that was just, right. I mean, he was just. You could tell he was. He he sounded like he had money on the de- on the game, and he just lost it. Matt, do you have any information? Did the uh, Bills uh, crew uh, uh, lose money on the game? Well, actually, they didn't. They would have won unless they had the money line, right? That's right. No suspicious bets. No suspicious bets, boys. Uh, all right. So if you enjoyed that, we got one other version here. All right. Numchuk, what would you come up with? Tiene las últimas, las últimas suspiros de este partido. Están persiguiendo a Kyler Murray. El reloj consume. Saca el ave de María. Tiene un receptor en el terreno. Lo atrapó. Lo atrapó. All right, Matt, uh, there you go. Which version did you uh, – hey, could you translate that for me, please? Uh, no. <laughs> I failed class, I think. I understood Kyler Murray touchdown in DeAndre Hopkins. There it is. And that was from the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> Spanish network. There it is. And a little salute to our, our good friend, what, Jose Lopez, who with the Golden Knights, yeah. right? You yeah, know, it, 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 I think it's the first time I've heard that exciting of a call without a goal involved in there. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, having a little uh, fun with that. There you go. All right, let's talk about the Raiders. The Raiders, 37-12 yesterday. Uh, being in this game, it was wow. It was just uh, – it's kind of what we expected. We had talked about the Raiders being, you know, a four-and-a-half, five-point favorite. But, Matt, I believe that Denver money came storming in on this game towards the end because I think the last line I saw was like three or three-and-a-half. Three. And you're right. You're absolutely right. This line closed three, which is amazing, um, considering there wasn't any really heavy injury information on this game, just a division game in which people thought Denver was going to give him a better game. And if not for the turnovers in the first half, I will say this, Denver looked maybe like the better team in the first half. Uh, they settled for a couple of field goals when they were deep in Raider territory. And if you remember, at the end of the half, they were driving, 
uh, already well within the red zone, certainly going to – they had a touchdown called back, first of all, right before the half. They actually had two touchdowns in the first half called back because of penalties. And then right before the half, they were the very worst going to kick a field goal and be down 10-9 at the half. And yet Drew Locke throws another interception to end the half. They go in 10-6 despite dominating the stats in the first half. Give Coach Gruden credit because they made all the adjustments at halftime, came out and put it on the Broncos. You know, the Raiders were solid on both sides of the ball in this game. I mean, Josh Jacobs ran for 112 yards. Jeff Heath had two interceptions. The Raiders had four interceptions at all. Uh, you know, Locke looked just off his game, did not look good at all. On the other side, Carr really didn't have to do that much. But I think this is, for me, the first game where the Raiders played complete a complete game on both sides. And throw even special teams in there as well, too, because if it wasn't for the crackback block, you know, um, that Jonathan Abron delivered. And, again, literally, I mean, that was a, a crackback block, but Renfro, you know, returned the punt for – a touchdown. That was just a, a horrendous break for the Raiders there. But the Raiders were solid everywhere yesterday, and give them a lot of credit. Well, I, I, I get the feeling, or at least I had the feeling yesterday, you mentioned maybe the first real complete game, offense, defense, special teams, everything played well. To me, it looked like the Raiders are starting to truly believe in the Raiders. Mm-hmm. And that confidence can go a long way in professional sports or in anything, as we know. You know, Denver, at one point during this game, it was like, I believe uh, – about the 10-minute mark of the fourth quarter, the Denver Broncos had one yard of offense in the second half. What a crazy stat that is. And, you know, the Broncos have played some opponents very, very tough. I think this is this was a game the Raiders were expected to win. And you, you lay the four and a half, you lay the five. It was never in doubt. You know, 37-12 uh, victory. But, again, so, Matt, Obviously, the Raiders, I think a lot of people thought this was a sandwich game. I think that's why Bronco money came came pouring in because the Raiders got Kansas City at Allegiant Stadium in the feature game on Sunday night. Uh, this is now going to, to be a marquee game, especially considering that the Raiders pulled off the upset against Kansas City a few weeks ago. Absolutely, and look, we're already seeing Raider money show up in this game, which is a little bit surprising. Uh, this is a line that you know we saw in the look-aheads that was seven and a half, uh, seven and a half minus twenty. So not only did you have to lay seven and a half with the Kansas City Chiefs, but you had to lay hundred twenty to make a hundred. All the way down to Kansas City minus six and a half now is the Raider money showing up off that strong performance. You know, I'm not sure I necessarily want to step in front of the Chiefs here, who will have revenge on their on their minds after losing to, to Las Vegas earlier in the year, but. You know, give Coach Gruden credit. This team's playing great football right now, and this is a oh, this is a great game to be the headliner on su- this coming up Sunday. You mentioned the fact that they have revenge on their minds. Anyhow, I was checking out a couple of sites today, and it seems like not only the fact that they lost that game at Arrowhead to the Raiders, but now there's being a lot made. It seems like at least in Kansas City, about the buses taking a victory lap around Arrowhead before going back to the airport. And uh, basically the Chiefs coming out and saying, well, they can do whatever they want to. They won the game. That's not our style. Is that more of a motivational thing? I mean, does that really exist at the professional level? Because we hear it all the time. We know that players always say it's just another game when they play against former teams, but they seem to have great games. Is taking a victory lap around the stadium, does that make the Chiefs even that much more ticked off? 
I'm not sure. This has been a strange year. I mean, it's been a strange year in about every way we can imagine, but it's certainly been a strange year in terms of rivalries. COVID's taken the sting out of a few of these games. So let's just assume that we get through this entire week clean. We don't have any COVID issues, including even potential issues, which is hard for these teams now. You know, false positives or potential contact tracing. And assuming everything is perfectly fine for both teams, Sure, I think you could give a tick more of an edge to Kansas City, maybe in the motivational department, but I'm sure John Gruden wants this game as much as he's ever wanted a game as well. So uh, I don't know, maybe a, a smidge more on the motivation side for Kansas City, but I'd say that's about it. You know, the Raiders are kind of lukewarm when it comes to uh, you know getting the credit or the publicity. I think they're you know from the national media because I think. Again, you know, when you have had one winning season over the last two decades, it's people are going to be temperamental with this. They're going to temper their expectations. They've won three in a row now. Okay, granted, not against great opponents, but earlier on, you know, they they, they beat the Saints, that and they beat the Chiefs. That's great. But I think you can say, okay, they beat Cleveland, they beat Denver, they beat the Chargers. Okay, is it going to take a victory against the Chiefs for the national media and everyone else? to say, hey, this Raider team is for real, because we can see the improvement, and they're a much better product now than they have been in, in the last few years. But if Kansas City comes in here and wallops the Raiders, I, I think the people are just going to say, okay, well, the Raiders are the Raiders. Well, you could still know – I mean, I think everyone could see that there's progress. The fact that this team has already won six games and, you know, double the amount of wins as losses, nobody's going to deny there's, there's progress here. But, I mean, Kansas City's so good. Andy Reid just signed another contract extension, so the long-term stability of this team, having their quarterback, their GM, and their head coach signed up for a long time, um, and this Kansas City team coming in with a little extra preparation – we know Andy Reid has been so good in this spot historically. I think this is a really difficult situational spot um, for the Las Vegas Raiders here because historically the Chiefs and Andy Reid are really good with extra rest, extra prep. But regardless of who wins this Sunday, the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders are better this year than they were last year. And I don't think anybody could take that away. And I think with the extra playoff spots this year, Vegas is really primed to make an appearance in the postseason. All right, he is Matthew Holt, U.S. Integrity. Join us. We're recapping what transpired yesterday in the NFL. Real quick, Matt, Tom Brady, 28 for 39, 341 yards, three touchdowns. Looked great. Looked the real deal. Ronald Jones, 23 carries, 192 yards, including that 98-yard scamper for a touchdown. The uh, Patriots uh, quieted a lot of people, even though they were – you know, uh, nip and tuck here for a good portion of this game with Carolina, but you know, second half, especially fourth quarter, was all bucks. Yeah, don't let this Tampa Bay final score fool you here. Teddy Bridgewater was hurt the entire second half. No Christian McCaffrey, banged up secondary for Carolina. You know, Tom Brady able to take advantage of it in the second half, and at times they've looked really good in second halves of these games, but still not able to get it done in those clutch spots that really, you know, show who the, the Super Bowl contenders are. And for them, losing twice to the New Orleans Saints, the good news, I guess, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady backers this year is Drew Brees may be done for the season, and Tampa Bay may have new life in the NFC South. You got our, You mentioned the Patriots' victory over the Ravens last night, bailing out for the books, Matt, but let's talk about it from an NFL playoff perspective. 
what have you learned more uh, over last night's game uh, that the Patriots could still make some noise here or Baltimore maybe not as good as we think they are? I don't think the Patriots are going to make any noise. I think Buffalo and Miami are really going to fight it out for that division. Two of the real prime young teams in the AFC right now. A lot of the contenders in the AFC, like the Pittsburghs and the New Englands, are aging teams now. Uh, Buffalo and Miami might give you a preview into the future of the AFC. But I also think Baltimore's not as good as we thought. And we saw it last year in the playoffs. Tennessee was able to get out in front of Baltimore. Lamar Jackson is not able to throw Baltimore back into games. He's just not that accurate. He turns the football over too much. They are one of the best front runners in football. When they have that run game going in a lead and they can just keep pounding the football on you, they can blow teams out. But when they have to play from behind and Lamar Jackson needs to throw them back in, to the game he can't do it and he proved that again on Sunday night you mentioned Pittsburgh being a little bit long in the tooth and they certainly are a little bit older team but they're also a veteran team they know how to win are they the best team right now we know that they're the undefeated team out there and yesterday some people thought Roethlisberger run out even play he not only played but he had one of his best games in a long time and he's had a lot of good games yeah, that, that one's really tricky because for a while, the knock on the Pittsburgh Steelers this year was their strength of schedule. Wins against the Giants, Broncos, Texans, and Eagles. So after that 4-0 start, people were still thinking that Pittsburgh might be fraudulent, but now you blow out the Browns by 30, you beat the Titans, who were undefeated at the time, you go to Baltimore and beat the Ravens, blow out a Cincinnati team who's been playing better football. It's hard to make an argument that anybody is better than the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Undefeated. All right, Matt, before we let you go, we got Monday Night Football, we got the Vikings and the Bears. The Vikings have turned things around with a couple victories the last couple weeks they're a three and a half point choice at chicago give me some thoughts they say that the best bets you make sometimes are the ugliest ones and that's why you have to close your eyes and take the chicago bears i know they have no running game there's no david montgomery in there i think lamar miller's coming out of retirement to be the feature back tonight for the chicago bears but i just don't think it matters how is a three and five minnesota team favored by more than a field goal on the route on the road it could be stinky here but close your eyes take the points with the bears i'm with you I'm, I'm with you and you know frank's got his uh, bear shirt on i'm asking him for you know give me one for tonight too i'm going to be on him as well too and they haven't been playing well but i think they show up tonight against the vikings at home in 43 degree weather well and you mentioned the fact that the bears um need to run the ball a little bit they also need to stop the run because right. let's face it it's not a coincidence that minnesota got uh, started winning again when cook re-entered the lineup and started yeah. running all over everybody exactly all right brother be good we appreciate it as always matt Thanks, guys. Best of luck tonight. Take care. There it is. Matthew Holt from U.S. Integrity joining us, breaking down a little NFL action from yesterday. All right. Next hour, we've got boxing controversy to dive into. We touched on it a little bit this hour. Uh, Hang on for more. Bob Bennett, the executive director, exclusive interview with him. Uh, who is involved in this controversy. We will dive into that. That came on the Terrence crawford Kelbrook fight here at the MGM Grand on uh, last Saturday night. And don't forget, we've got to hear from D-Hop, too. we got to hear from DeAndre Hopkins. Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin right here on a Manic Monday. More of the T.C. Martin Show on the other side of our number two. <laughs>